sometimes it's really hard to find your pockets. There we go. But if you have any more investments, you might not know that. There we go. Good morning, everyone. <laughs> the story of the, of the scriptures, and the scriptures are a story. And then they're the most magnificent story ever told. But they're a story that has a huge problem as you move through them. And if you know the Old Testament, you know that the problem is that Israel is as much as she tries. And in fact, sometimes it seems like the harder she tries, the less she's able to actually be faithful to God. She just can't do what she wants to do. And that kind of mirrors our life, doesn't it? Have you ever wondered, why is it so hard to do the right things? I always, I always wonder why God didn't create a universe where pasta was the healthiest food, right? <laughs> and it just naturally made you muscular. <laughs> Not that it doesn't, I mean. But why should it be that way? And why is it that to be faithful to God and to live the kind of lives that we're supposed to lead, why is it so difficult? And that's a question Israel asked herself all throughout the Old Testament, and it bleeds into the New Testament. And at the end of the day, really what happened was Israel was smart enough that she realized that it was a problem of the heart. At the end of the day, obedience is about the heart. You can have a military obedience, but that's not what God wants. God wants an obedience that flows from the heart. That's what Judaism was always about. That's what Christianity uh, brought to the world as the center of our faith is the heart. But that's our life, isn't it? And when your heart, brothers and sisters, when your heart's engaged, if you've ever gone to confession with me, I always tell people in the confessional, I'm such a broken record. But you know what the answer to every single sin is? <laughs> is love. Every single sin, the response is to grow in love. And every sin in some ways sins against charity. Now there's other things, there's discipline that's necessary, etc., etc. David, in the most, one of the most famous psalms of the Old Testament, Psalm 51, which is after David had committed adultery, he knew that his problem was a problem of the heart. And he prays in that psalm, he says, God created me a new heart and put a new and steadfast spirit within me. If you want to follow God, brothers and sisters, all of us, if we want to follow Jesus, we need a new heart. And that, that was what Jesus revealed, wasn't it? Jesus wasn't just like really tough and strong. And so he's like, all right, I'll go to the cross. Like, I took my protein shake. I'm ready, you know. It was a matter of the heart. 
And so famously, in one of the, the, the greatest prophecies of the Old Testament comes in Ezekiel 36. And God, through the prophet, says this in Ezekiel 36. And he talks about this day that's going to be coming where God's going to change everything. And he says this. He says, A new heart I will give you, and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will take out of your flesh the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk by my statutes and be careful to observe my ordinances. And so obedience comes with two things. And these two things always go together. A new heart and a new spirit. A new heart and a new spirit. And just think about your own life. When your heart's alive, when your spirit's engaged, doesn't it just make heavy and burdensome things easy? When my heart's involved in something, when, my, when I'm engaged and my, my heart's full of life and love, I can do almost anything. So the key, brothers and sisters, what I'm driving at this morning is that to be a Christian, to, to be obedient to what God demands of you and I, and make no mistake, right? Did you hear our second reading from James, James chapter 2? A lot of Christians say all you need is faith. I always think they have a hole in their Bible in James chapter 2 where it says that faith, if it has not works, is dead. Faith, if it doesn't have works, is dead. If you don't live your faith, you don't really have faith. You cannot go to heaven just by saying, I believe Jesus is God. You have to live it. Which means you need a new heart. To live out God's commandments, to live as Jesus desires us. Brothers and sisters, we need a new heart and a new spirit. So I know what you're thinking. So, okay, so how is Father Brian on earth going to tie this to today's readings? And for once, I'm not going to. <laughs> I usually try really hard. The reason we're talking about this, brothers and sisters, is today in the Archdiocese of Denver, Archbishop Aquila has asked every priest in the diocese to talk about the move where we're moving confirmation from uh, eighth or ninth grade down to third grade. So over the next five years in our diocese, the sacrament of confirmation is going to be moved from 14, 15-year-olds, somewhere in there, down to third grade. Why are we doing that? The most, and this is the background. The background of that is that, brothers and sisters, you cannot live Christianity without the Holy Spirit. Being a Christian isn't an ethical decision. It's not like you wake up one day and you've studied all the world religions and you say, you know what? Yeah, I, th I think Father Brian's right. Like, and he has a cool beard. Christianity it is. That's not how it works. To be a Christian is to have a different kind of heart and a different kind of spirit. The Holy Spirit. One more line in Romans 8, St. Paul says this. 
And he's, the flesh, he's going to talk about the flesh. And in this passage, the flesh doesn't mean literally your physical flesh. It means an earthly way of thinking. The normal human way of doing things. And St. Paul says this. He says, The mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, right? Do you see how Ezekiel said, we will obey when we have a new heart and a new spirit. But the mind set on the flesh cannot obey God. And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. And then he turns to us and he says this. He says, but you are not in the flesh. You are in the Spirit, if the Spirit of God really dwells in you. Anyone who does not have the Spirit of Christ does not belong to Him. To be a Christian does not primarily mean, first and foremost, to do something it means to have the spirit of someone. So brothers and sisters, you need the Holy Spirit. You cannot live the Christian life if you don't have the Spirit of God in you. It's impossible. It's too hard. You can't do it. So let's transition. <clears throat> so how many of you have been confirmed in here? Okay. Sorry if you're like, haven't been confirmed, you're like, oh great, thanks Father Brian. <laughs> Everybody's looking at me now. How many of you heard this? How many of you have either told someone in your life or have heard in your life that confirmation is the, your adult decision to remain Catholic? How many of you have heard that? Okay. I don't believe that the rest of you were confirmed because that's all anybody teaches these days. If you go almost anywhere today, what, what people teach in the Catholic Church is they teach, they say confirmation is your adult decision to remain Catholic. You will not find that in any church document. You will not find that in the scriptures. You will not find that in the catechism of the Catholic Church. That's not a Catholic teaching. But somehow that's gotten out there. We kind of think, well, you know, you hit 14 and it's your adult decision to remain Catholic if you're going to be confirmed. Think about this for a minute. I believe that your decision of whether or not to follow after Jesus Christ in the Catholic Church is the most important decision you will ever make in your entire life. How many really big, important decisions do you, do you give to 14-year-olds? Imagine if we did that. Now, let me ask another question. How many of you, when you were 14, how many of you thought that Mass was boring? Okay, stop lying to me, those of you who didn't raise your hands. <laughs> of course you thought it was boring. A 14-year-old does not have a very uh, much of an intention span. When I was 14, no offense to any 14-year-olds who are here, I... I I would have done anything not to go to Mass. It was so boring, I can't believe, it's a miracle I'm a priest today. <laughs> when you're 14, you naturally think church is just like, oh my gosh, I would rather, 
you know, I don't know what. I'd rather be thrown into a brick wall and moving traffic for I don't know. You think church is boring when you're 14? Now imagine if my parents had said to me, you know what, Brian? We've seen you grow a lot over the years, and we're going to give you the option. You know, you, obviously you've hit your freshman year of high school, so you know what the world's about. And um, we're going to let you decide if you want to go to Mass on Sundays. Are you crazy? Or imagine, like, another big decision. Imagine, you know, if we uh, let our 14-year-old children, and let's, let's say our school here, Our Lady of Lords. Let's say our 8th graders, so usually about 13. Let's say when our 8th graders are about to graduate, and we said, you know what, they've come a long way. Obviously, they're very mature. They have a very balanced, intelligent understanding of reality. They're not governed by their emotions. <laughs> We're going to let them decide right now who they're going to marry. That would go really well. <laughs> Confirmation is not the adult decision to be Catholic. It simply isn't. Confirmation has much more to do with God choosing you than with us choosing God. We do have to make that choice. The choice is very important. But brothers and sisters, you have to make that choice every day. And I hope you make that every day. I hope as an adult you grow up and you say, Jesus, it's hard to follow you. It would be much easier to live like everybody else. But I love you. And so I'll try for another day. I have to make that and renew that decision every day of my life. So why are we doing this? Why is Archbishop Aquila moving confirmation? The church has always believed that the sacraments have a right order. So we're used to confirmation coming after First Communion, but it was never that way. In the early church, it always went baptism, confirmation, and then Eucharist. And believe it or not, in all of Christian history, it went that way until 1910. And what happened in 1910 was Pope St. Pius X wanted more children to come to the Eucharist, which is a great thing. But unintentionally, by lowering communion to age seven, he reversed the order. And the point with that is simply this. The Eucharist is the center of our lives. It's everything. All the sacraments should draw us closer to the Eucharist. They're ordered towards the Eucharist. They're ordered towards communion with Jesus Christ in his flesh and blood, soul and divinity. Okay, so today, we're going to talk a little bit more about this over the coming weeks. Confirmation is hugely misunderstood. I just want to finish with a story. My brother, Sean, and I, is here today. It's his birthday. Happy birthday. We always joke that we had a black market confirmation. When we were confirmed, my aunt taught catechism class, and you're supposed to go to catechism class, and then you go up and you get confirmed, right? Well, we just skipped all the classes, and we just went and got confirmed. And so we, we always give my mom a hard time. We're like, oh yeah, that black market confirmation, mom. It was sweet. <laughs> Not about what you do, it's about who you know. Um, but when I was confirmed, I was not engaged. 
I thought Catholicism was boring, and I didn't understand who the Holy Spirit was or how desperately I needed him in my life. Maybe you were that way too. And when that happens, brothers and sisters, what happens in our lives when we do that is the graces of that sacrament are real, but they're dormant. They're asleep until you awaken them with faith. When I went to college, something drastic happened in my life. And I opened my heart to Christ and I took a chance. And the graces I felt in those three years when I was really engaged, I don't think I've ever experienced anything as powerful. The grace was overwhelming. People thought I was weird because I was praying my rosary between classes. And if you go to CU Boulder, you know this. Go to CU Boulder. Nobody smiles. Nobody smiles. I'm serious. They walk around, students, they, they have their backpacks or their satchels, and they stare at the ground and they look depressed. I had a smile a mile wide. And I prayed a decade of the rosary between my classes and my heart was on fire. And I think... Those were the graces I was supposed to receive a confirmation. But it had been a dormant in my soul. So today, Jesus, we know we cannot follow you without the Spirit. <laughs> and Lord, my heart is corrupt and my spirit is weak and it's worldly. And Lord, would you send your Spirit to renew me to, re to reawaken those graces of confirmation. Lord Jesus, send out your spirit and renew the face of the earth. Let us now stand and profess our faith. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten 